0: This morning I've titled my sermon, Patterning Our Prayers. And I did a study on this last year too, and I know we talked about it, we shared about it, and I'm just drawing on that and building on that if you want to say, uh, consider that way. Because again, it's during this period that I have so many questions, people come and talk and we talked about it through this week as well, about about prayer and during the season of Lent and and. Even, uh, let me encourage you on Wednesday night, please understand, prayer is not just about you talking to God. It's not a one-way street at all. And we've been talking about and going through the series and listening to God on Wednesday nights. And so I encourage you to be there hearing God or tuning into God. And so it is a big topic and there's so much to say. And this morning, again, it's, it's more or less a study rather than a sermon. But the main goal is to, to encourage us to have a consistent and a meaningful time of prayer with the Lord in His presence. And so patterning our prayer essentially is we're looking at Jesus' life and what He did and what He said and what He taught and, and, and when He prayed and <coughs> what He prayed. Because if I ask, and I asked this question week uh, a couple of weeks ago too, do we believe in prayer? Everybody, almost everybody says yes, right? Everybody says yes. We do believe in prayer. And so, just following along the same ideas, why do we pray? And I'm sure there would be tons of answers that we can get about why we pray. And I think one of the biggest reasons we pray is because Jesus prayed himself. And if we are to pattern our lives after Jesus, we pray because he prayed as well. It's one of the reasons, I guess. And he taught us, he prayed, and he also taught us how to pray. And as I was preparing for this message, I was, I was just looking at it, and I saw, uh, saw found 25 occasions through the Gospels that you find 25 occasions, of course, it's repeated sometimes in the Gospels, 25 occasions where Jesus prayed if you read through the Gospels, and I'm including his conversations with God, right? 25 times we notice that Jesus prays. And so looking at Jesus and in prayer, I've got kind of to put them into three broad categories. Again, the reason, why did Jesus pray, the approach, and how did Jesus pray, and the pattern. And what he taught us, or how, I mean, what did he teach about prayer? And so we're looking at these three broader sections. Again, this is a huge topic, but I'm just trying to put it together right here. So first, let's look at the reason. Why did Jesus pray? I know people have asked me this question. Jesus, you know, he was God. Why did he pray? Did he really need to pray? Was it necessary for Jesus to pray? And I've got five reasons to, for this first section. Five reasons. Number one, because of the nature of the Godhead itself. The nature of the Godhead itself. Now, we all know that prayer is not just bringing our list of things to God and asking for Him to come and help us, right? That's more, Prayer is just way more than that. It is conversation with God. It's conversation with God. And I'm not trying to be irreverent or anything of that sort, but it's, we say, you know, it's talking to God or talking with God. Not just talking to God, talking with God. It's about communion with God. And so when we think about prayer, Jesus, and the Godhead, we realize that we worship a triune God, correct? What we call the Trinity, three in one. And that there's, there's this perfect unity and harmony and communion within the Godhead. And so you see, the Trinity in essence itself is relational. And so Jesus, as part of the Trinity, there's this relational aspect where he communed with the Father and the Spirit. Please understand, Jesus, again, don't don't ever mistake this, but Jesus never lost his divinity when he was here. He was still fully God, right? He did not cease being God at any time even when he took on human flesh, as we call it. Why did Jesus pray? Because it's part of, it's the nature of the divinity, but I also see part of Jesus praying. Why did Jesus pray? It's because, you see, God's purpose in creation was prayer. The triune God, which has this perfect harmony and relationship, chose to make man, and one of the primary reasons for making man is so that God could have a relationship with us and we could have a relationship with him. And prayer is one of the ways we have communion with God. You see that? So that's why I said his intention in creation was definitely way more than just go, you know, go work the land and eat the fruit or be fruitful and multiply. Yes, those are things that he said. But one of the main reasons he created us is to have a relationship with us and so that we could have a relationship with him as well. I mean, think about it. Right from the Garden of Eden, when he created Adam and Eve, what? He walked with them. He just didn't create them and say, okay, go do your thing. No, he didn't. He walked with them. He talked with them, you know. We sing that song. And so this aspect of relationship was important, right? It was intended right from creation. And Jesus, as a man... Yes, 100% God, but Jesus as a man realized the importance of having a relationship with God as well. And that's why he prayed. That's why he prayed. Because it was God's intention and purpose in creation. Jesus in his humanity understood the importance of prayer and what it means to have a relationship with God. Why did Jesus pray? We see it in reflected in the Godhead itself. We see it as one of the purposes in creation, but we also realize Jesus prayed because of what I say, the limitations of the incarnation. The limitations of the incarnations. Whenever we talk about the incarnation, we always go to Philippians chapter 2, where Jesus took on, and Paul describes Jesus taking on human form or human flesh. We talk about, we use the words, you know, he emptied himself or he limited himself. He became nothing. So when he took on humans, human form, when he took on human flesh, he was affected by the frail nature of humanity as well. That's why he prayed. Jesus wasn't this human or superhuman or a hybrid. No. He was a normal human being who was affected by the weaknesses of men. Now, we're not talking about sin at all, but we're talking about other human characteristics. I'm sure he got tired. He was hungry, the Bible says, right? He was thirsty. He probably had to be taught to walk, right? There is that weakness. There is that frailty that you see. And that's why Jesus had to pray because he understood In his humanity, he was weak. He needed God's strength. He needed God's encouragement, whether it was emotionally or spiritually or or physically. He was tempted like any other man. It says, yes, he had willpower, but he needed God's strength to make it through. To accomplish what he came down to accomplish, he needed God's strength. And that's why he prayed. That's why he prayed. Right in the beginning of his earthly ministry, we know when he goes off and he's tempted, right? In the first, first time before he even starts his earthly ministry, he goes out and prays. But he needs God's strength to make it through that. And right at the end, he still needs God's help. He needs God's help. He needed God's strength. He needed that encouragement. And that's why he prayed. Another reason Jesus prayed is because he was totally submitted to God's will. He was totally submitted to God's will, and that's why he prayed. If we want to do God's will in our lives, we cannot do it on our own. We need God's strength, and that's why Jesus prayed as well. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, the whole idea of the cross, he didn't get excited about the cross. He wasn't excited about the cross because we see in Luke 22, what does he say? God, if possible, you know, let this cup pass. He wasn't so excited about that. But he prayed in submission saying what? God, not my will but yours be done. He needed God's strength to accomplish God's will. He was submitted. Jesus prayed because he was dependent on and submitted to God's will. Lord, your will be done, not mine. Let your will be done. And, you know, it's interesting because he prayed. He knew what the price was. Right from the beginning, he knew what it would cost. Yet when it came to it, he still needed God's strength to make it through. He still knew it. He still needed God's God's strength. He anguished, like someone said, he anguished over the cross, yet he was perfectly submitted to his Father's will. He anguished over the cross. When you pray, church, we're just basically humbling ourselves and asking, submitting ourselves to God's will. Jesus constantly submitted to God's will. I don't say my own things. I say what God told me to say. He said that himself. And so that's why he prayed. He prayed because he was in total submission to the will of his father. That's why even right at the end, right in Luke 23, when he's on the cross, he says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. He's totally giving everything into your hands, and again, it's it's countercultural. You know, when we submit to God's will or submit to anyone else's will, right? It's countercultural. But He needed prayer because He was dependent and submitted to God's will. Why did Jesus pray? And of course, the most important thing I think is to show us how to pray. Also, to show us how to pray. And I think the biggest part of it is what we talked about last Sunday. The biggest part of showing us how to pray is how to approach God and how you approach God is as a father. As our father. We know previously it was always Yahweh or Adonai or, you know, our Lord, our God, and then God of our fathers. And then Jesus comes along and he says, hey, it's not just God of your father. He is your father. Your Father, He is our Father. He made a distant God, a personal, personal being, a personal figure, a personal Father. Not just God of our fathers, He is God, your Father. And that's how He shows us how to pray. When we pray, we pray to our Heavenly Father. He gave us that example to pray. Why did Jesus pray? To teach us or to show us how to pray. To show us how to pray. I wrote this down a long time ago. As a young pastor. And I remind myself about it time and time again. And I remind others about it as often as I can also. If Jesus the perfect man knew the importance and necessity of prayer. In his everyday life. How can we way less perfect human beings be too proud to pray? Jesus, the perfect man, knew the importance and necessity of prayer in his everyday life. How can we, fallen humans, be too proud to pray? Christians who don't pray, it's an oxymoron, right? Why did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed because it's part, it's very part of his nature of the Godhead. It's his purpose. We see the purpose of creation where Jesus prayed to have that relationship with God. We see because he was limited in his human form, he needed prayer because he needed the strength to go through. He prayed because he submitted himself to God's will and he prayed so that we would know how to pray. Now let's look at the approach We talked about the reason he prayed and now the approach. How did Jesus pray? How did Jesus pray? How was his approach to pray? Number one, he set aside time to pray. He set aside time to pray. I've been asked many times, what is the best time to pray I know people who swear that early morning is the best time to pray. I know people who say, hey, late at night is the best time to pray. Does it really matter? I don't think so. What's important is he set aside time to pray. Set aside time to pray. Is there the holy hour of prayer scripturally? No, there's no holy hour. Jesus, Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. So he prayed early morning. Now we find evidence other way. Matthew 14:23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. So the implication is what? After everybody had gone in the evening, he went there, and while it, while he was praying, it was dark. Luke 6:12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. So you see examples all over the place. He prayed in the morning, he prayed at night, he prayed through the whole night. So there is no one moment that is more sacred to pray. You set aside time to prayer. That was the point right there. Jesus made time for prayer. He made time for prayer. Nowhere in the Bible does it say he's available from, you know, outside the throne room. Available from 4 to 6 a.m. or 9 to 11 p.m. No. It's not. That's amazing about God. Thank God he doesn't do that. All we've got to do is be like Jesus as he approached. He made time to pray. He made time to pray. You make time to pray and that's the sacred time. That is the holy hour, if you want, whatever. That time you pray, that's when it is. Set aside time to pray like Jesus did. I was talking to someone actually just this past week. and We were talking about struggling to find time to pray and we were talking about it. I said, don't, don't try and find time to, time to pray. Make time to pray. Make time to pray. It just has to be. Schedule a time. If you don't schedule time for prayer, very rarely will you get down to doing it. That's just the fact. You've heard it, but that's the truth. If you don't schedule time, you will not make time. When you pick, I don't know, whatever time you pick, when you get into God's presence, He's there. That's all that matters, right? He's there. He's always, He's always there. God is always there, ready to speak to us. He's, you know, yes, He can speak to us anytime, anywhere, but that's just a poor substitute for not disciplining your life to make time and pray. It's just the truth. Make time for prayer. Make time for prayer. It's just a time when you will be, you'll have the least amount of distractions and God has your, you know, your attention. Make time to pray. Make time to pray set aside time to pray. Jesus set aside time to pray even in his busy schedule because he was busy. He made time to pray and again I urge you church if you are struggling to make time to pray consider your schedule once again. Reconsider your schedule and your calendar because if God is important in your life you will make time for prayer. You will make time for prayer and again Don't go the other extreme, you know. I only pray from this time. Pray. (laughs) You need something to pray? You feel you need to pray? Pray. You don't have to make, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Schedule time to pray. But also pray whenever you feel you need his presence. Pray when you feel you need a word of encouragement. Pray when you need that extra shot in your arm. Pray when you need wisdom or clarity for a specific situation. Pray. But also make time to pray separately. Make time to pray. This quote from Martin Luther has always inspired me and challenged me. And it's actually Spurgeon who quotes Martin Luther. And he says, and of course, I'm contemporizing it a little. I have so much business to do today. I can't get through it unless I pray three hours. I was like, okay. But Spurgeon goes on and in his sermon, he's preaching this. And he says, how many of us go? I have so much business to do today. I only have three minutes to pray. And he said that in 1865. It's so true even today. Because what's the first thing that disappears when we have a full day? Very often it's our prayer time. But make time to pray. Just be intentional. Be intentional because Jesus was intentional to set a time, set aside time to enter into God's presence and pray. Doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Make time For prayer. How did Jesus approach prayer? He set aside time for prayer. Second, you look at it in uh, in Mark chapter 1, 35, all the way through 37. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went far off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everybody is looking for you. So it implies what? He went off. By himself. Now again, many people have said this and it's true too. Sometimes it's easier to pray when there are a lot of people praying around you. Yes, that's one way to pray. But you also go to take time where you are one on one with God. Jesus did it. We're patterning our life after him. He did it. We are to do it too. We ought to do it as well. Find that spot, that sweet spot, that sweet place where you can spend one-on-one time. It's just you and God and God and you, that's it. Pattern your life after Christ is finding time to pray and finding that spot where you can be with God by yourself. I always read the story of Susanna. Uh, it's from uh, written by Jackie Green and Lauren Green who write the story, and it says, if you're passing through, and I know I've used it before, I use it all the time when we talk about prayer. If a passing stranger walking through the rural village of Epworth in England on any given day during the year 1700 to 1720, if they looked through the window of the home of the rector, now we don't know the pastor, I guess, of the local Anglican church, he would, he would have caught sight of something quite strange. Depending on the time of the day, this observer might have seen a woman sitting in a chair with a kitchen apron pulled up over her head while 10 children read, studied, or played around her. Now, two of those children were two little boys, John and Charles Wesley. John Wesley, who preached a million, I think a million people, and Charles Wesley, who read, wrote over 6,000 hymns. That's a lot of hymns. I was thinking about it. 6,000 hymns. That's like, I don't know how many a day or how many a year that was, but that's quite a lot. But it goes on to say this. Sorry, I lost track of this. The woman under the apron was Susanna Wesley, who assumed this posture for two hours in the midst of all her ki- children. There was no amount of distraction that would keep her from prayer and the Bible. And that's the kind of Faith, we need church that influenced her kids. I mean, just think about it. The power of prayer, and it goes on, the author goes and says, the power of prayer lies in the quiet trust of gentle souls who are willing to pull away from the everyday to commune with God. The power of prayer lies in the fact that you can set aside time, pull apart, pull away from your busyness and set time with God. And that's where the power of prayer lies. Yes, he can talk. You can talk to him while driving to work. Yes, but this is something different he's talking about. I mean, you think about it, someone like this, someone's story like this, and you always think, what's my excuse to not find a place to pray? What's my excuse to not find time to pray? Challenge, church, when you pray, Matthew 6, 6, he says, when you pray, of course, this is Sermon on the Mount. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. And so be unseen to pray to an unseen God. So take time to pray. Make time to pray. But also find that place where you can pray where it's just you and God and God and you. Because that's when prayers are effective. Find the point. The point, again, is so that you don't, you're not distracted and pulled away from stuff at all. Find that place to pray where you won't, again, not to a place. Go stand somewhere where everybody will see you and draw all the attention. We know the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector right there. He prayed loud enough for everybody to see him, right? That wasn't the point. Find that place to pray. When I was in Bible college, I'd go out to the soccer field and pray in the soccer fields. And if it rained, I'd go find a classroom to pray. It doesn't matter. Find a place to pray. It doesn't have to be only that one spot that you can pray. Find the place where you can be honest with God. Set aside time. Set aside that place where you won't be distracted. Maybe it's driving early. And I had someone tell me this last year when I was speaking. And someone commented about how they get to school early when they pick up the kids. The kids, the baby's sleeping in the back seat, but they get the half night to read the Bible and pray in that school line. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. That person made an effort to make time for prayer and it was just them and God. So make time for prayer. Find that place for prayer, which brings me to the next point. Because I love walking and praying. Kneeling and praying is much harder, especially after knee surgery. Thank God he doesn't only answer prayers when I'm kneeling down and praying. Doesn't matter. Jesus was on his knees when he prayed. When he was feeding the 5,000, he took bread, looked up to heaven and prayed. In John 17, his eyes lifted towards the heaven and prayed. Hebrews 5:7, he said he offered prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. You don't have to cry in prayer. There's no one pattern. Understand what the Bible teaches us right there. There's several ways. He closed his eyes and prayed. He lifted us up his head and prayed. He said, watch and pray. He lifted his hands and prayed. You know, did he always wave his hands in the air, shake his hands? No, it's nothing. Nothing of that sort. He made time to pray. He found a place to pray and he prayed in a way that he felt at that point of time. It's pretty simple. God is not interested in our physical position or posture when it comes to prayer because he's looking way past the external to what's happening on the inside of us. Our attitude when we pray. Doesn't matter whether you're sitting or standing or well lying down, you probably fall asleep much faster that way. So I wouldn't recommend that. But it doesn't matter. You don't have to laugh, you don't have to cry. It's you express all those emotions you have to in God's presence. It doesn't matter. You have to scream and pray just because it's louder. No, he doesn't hear you just because you pray louder. He doesn't do that. I always, whenever I preach about prayer and preaching loudly, always remember that church in India. And I know the Indians here will understand this part. You know, there's this competition. It's just ridiculous sometimes. This one church was bad. The legal shout, hallelujah. And the other person will say, oh, praise the Lord. And this person will shout even louder. Like, why? It's not a competition in prayer. Doesn't matter at all, church. Make time to pray. Your posture in prayer doesn't matter because he is looking at your heart is your heart in submission to him. You come to him in humility and prayer. That's the point. Not the time, specific time. Not this, find a spot, not a specific spot, but find a spot and come to him with reverent submission. It says in Hebrews 5, 7, he was heard because of his reverent submission to God. Reverent submission to God, and we talked about this last week, we can approach God with confidence because we are His children and we come to a Father, but that confidence needs to be balanced with that humility that comes as well. We don't come with the sense of, you know, demanding what God can do for me or what God ought to do. No, we don't do that. You know, kids, I mean, do you come just because they whine and cry about how unfair life is? I'm not going to give them what they want. They know that. How much more would God, just because we whine and cry about what we don't have, that God's going to just all feel bad for us and give us something? No, He's not going to do that. Because what He's looking for is a heart when we come to God in prayer. He's looking for humility. He's looking for a posture of brokenness. Because always, brokenness is attractive to God. Humility is important when it comes to Him. I highlighted this in my sermon as I was preparing. When we pray... We pray in faith believing that God can and will answer prayer. We pray in faith believing that God can and will answer my prayer because God is able to and God is willing to answer my prayer. But that faith that I have in God does not waver when that prayer is not answered because I have the humility in my faith to say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Faith is not just needed to get prayers answered the way we want them to be answered. Faith is needed when we come to God in prayer and say, even if I don't get this, God, your ways are higher than my ways. That's the attitude we need to have in prayer. We can't just command God and tell God what to do. You get a bigger picture of what God is doing in the world, not just what God is and what's happening and what's good for me. It's not about what's good, just good for me. You pray with faith, pray with passion, you pray with confidence, but you know, God, I rest in your will being done. I rest in your will be done. Again, it doesn't matter how long I pray, how short I pray. It's the total opposite. We pray real long prayers in public and real short prayers in private. Jesus is the opposite. When he was alone, he prayed a lot. When he was in public, he prayed short, right? Doesn't matter. Find time to pray don't you're not trying to impress please you're not trying to impress God by praying fancy prayers just be real with him that's it just be real with him the reason why did Jesus pray the approach and how he prayed and brings us to the last part the pattern what he taught us and how he taught us to pray the pattern of prayer the pattern of prayer number one and we see this in the Lord's prayer so let's just read the Lord's prayer again from Matthew chapter 6 real quick Matthew chapter six six verse nine. Uh, it just talks about the pattern of prayer again. This is then this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The pattern of prayer, again, this is huge, but we're just going to go in three parts. Number one, God's pattern is upward or God-centered. It is God-centered. It starts God-centered. Our heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. We talked about this last week, a lot more. But the idea is that our prayers are God-centered, upward in nature. God-centered because why is it focused and centered on God? Because He cares for us. He loves us. As a heavenly Father, He loves us. God loves us more than we can ever. Again, we say this, we don't have the human capacity to understand the total extent of God's love for us. Because I myself, sometimes it doesn't make sense why does he love me after I'm, 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 I blow it so many times. But he loves us. He loves us more than we will ever, ever, ever understand. Church, it is prayer has to be God-centered because as a heavenly father, God loves us. He's compassion for us. He loves us. He cares for us. Like a father has compassion on his children, so the father, so the Lord has compassion On those who honor him. God cares. And again, I said this last week. One of the number one things the devil does to us is start putting those lies in our our head that God doesn't care for us. But it's God-centered. That's why we come to Him as our Heavenly Father. Just think about it. When you come to prayer, and I'm not saying do this every single time, but when you have that attitude and you realize you're coming to your Heavenly Father, it automatically, almost automatically dismisses the lies of the enemy right there who says he doesn't care. When you have that attitude in prayer, I am coming, the reason I'm coming to God is because He is my Father. There's no room to doubt God's care for you. The devil keeps trying to do that But remember, He cares. Also remember the story of the disciples in the boat. He's there in the midst of the deepest or the biggest storm. He is there with you because He cares. Our prayers are God-centered. Heaven are upwardly focused to God. To God. Again, please remind yourself. He is interested. Remind yourself again and again and again. He is interested in every detail of your life. He is interested in every detail of your life, especially when things go out of control. He is there for us because He cares. That's the reason we cast all our burdens, our anxieties on Him. Because He cares for us. He cares. It's God-centered. He will never disappoint. He will never let you down. He will never change. He's trustworthy. What He says, He will do. When He promises something, He will Follow through. When he begins it, he will finish it. That's why it's heavenly focus. Heavenly focus because he's always there. He cares and he's always, always there. Talked about it after my sermon. Someone asked me, yes, he's there. Please remember, he's there for you on the mountaintops. But he's there for you, carrying you through the valleys. It's so true. I was like, yeah, that's really true. He's there with you on the mountaintop, but he's carrying you through the valleys because he cares for you. Our prayers are God-centered, heavenly focused because we know who our God is, not just what he can do for me. It is God-centered because of who God is. Now, it's God-centered, but it's also an outward elephant, uh, outward elephant element. <laughs> an outward element. Zach, come back. Shh. Because he runs away on an elephant trail. God centered, but also outwardly focused. Also outwardly focused. My prayers should not and cannot be only about me. It cannot be only about me. It was upwardly focused on who God is, but it's also outwardly focused because I see what God is doing. In the world around me. That's why he says. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Because we are focused on what God is doing. In the world around us as well. We have to have the bigger picture. In our hearts. And in our minds. As we pray. Because that's when our prayers are not going to be selfish all about us. It's easier. I say this. And I say this several times, it's easier to find meaning and purpose in life when you align yourself to what God is doing in the bigger picture. When you realize that you are just that, that bleep, that dot on God's timeline, that's when you really understand the meaning and purpose of life. You can't pray just about God make me happy and give me stuff because you will lack meaning when you do that. You got to pray that prayer like Jesus said with that outward focus of Lord your will be done. And then it's just amazing church. I don't know how it happens when you just fall in line and get that picture of God in this grand scheme. He's doing something and you realize that he has called you to be part of that big grand design. That's when that meaning and purpose just kicks into your heart. Because you are outwardly focused, not just you. Because you are aligning yourself to God's sovereign, sovereign plan for all humanity. There's an God-centered, but it's also outwardly focused. And of course, outwardly focused means pray for others as well. The needs of others, not just your needs too. Pray for those around you. God-centered, outwardly focused, but also genuine from within talked about it briefly earlier genuine from within when we pattern our prayers when we pray it's not just about what god can do for me it also has to be about god you work in me god centered outwardly focused but also there is god working genuinely from inside because you're saying god work in me there has to be reflection there has to be this kind of introspection where you look within yourself and see what God is doing inside of you that's the whole point forgive us our debts lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one that's the point what God is doing within us yes give us our daily bread is just one line there yes he's taking care of our needs but he's also focused on what's happening inside Yes, God delights in meeting our needs, but he also delights in transforming us into Christ. Transforming us into becoming more like Christ. Refine me, prune me, whatever it takes, there has to be an inward focus as well. That's what it talks about. That's the whole idea of humility that we talked about a little earlier. God, I really am nobody without you. I need you, God, I need your presence. He listens to the cries of our hearts. He honors the sincerity of our prayers. He's never interested only in the external things because he looks way past the external to what's on the inside. Let your prayers be from within. Let your prayers be from within. And this kind of challenges me, you know, especially when it comes to the name it and claim it kind of prosperity gospel you know who go the other extreme you know you visualize it and then pray it into existence sometimes you know but do you notice that most of the time it's all to do with material stuff or health and wealth why don't we do you know visualize it and pray it into existence when it comes to holiness when's the last time you heard someone say that let's let's visualize it and and pray it into existence when it comes to humility no, never, never. You know, sometimes we visualize it and pray it into existence, but, you know, gossip. I don't know. There has to be that element within us. Has to be looking within because that's what he is looking at. God focused in our prayers because we know we worship and come to a God who loves us and cares for us and died for us outward because we realize that it's more than just me but it's God working in the lives of those around me and working in the world and I get to be a part of that God give me that kind of desire that seeks to align what I am doing with what you are doing in the world and then pray God work within me texted a friend and say I'm working and I said this. I'm chipping away at the log. And That person had no clue what I was talking about. And I was like, no, it's the log in my own eye sometimes that needs to be chipped way more than that speck in someone else's eye. Allow God. Let your prayer also be God. Work in me. The Reason. Why did Jesus pray? The approach and how we prayed. And the way he taught us how to pray. Our Father who's in heaven, that's who we pray to. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Just as in the heavens, you know, same thing here on earth. Give us our daily bread, meet our needs. Forgive us our debts, but help us forgive those who owe us something too. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, Let's go together. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Father, God, thank you, God, once again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, prayer is not just a weapon. It's that ventilator we need to live our life. Prayer is not just something we use to get what we want. Prayer is something that gives meaning, brings meaning to our everyday lives. It's the way, it's our sustenance. It's what helps us every day. That's what prayer is. Church, it's such a broad topic. Yes, it's... But it is, to be honest, it's a struggle. We've heard this, if you've been in church, we've heard this from when we've been, (laughs) the first time we could hear anything about prayer. We've memorized the Lord's prayer. The whole idea here is making time for prayer, it's not to make you feel guilty or make you feel you know condemned or anything. No. Let's, let's, let's go, church. I need God. I need Him. He's always there. He's faithful when my faith falters. He cares for us. We don't have to come with all these fancy. You know, outfits, these fancy words, this loud or walking around. No, just come to him. Be you in his presence because he longs to meet with you. No one and nobody else. We worship you this morning, God.